Welcome to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. On a recent edition of the Electronic Cottage, we looked at Sunshine Week, an annual celebration of citizen access to government information. That week always occurs in the week in March that includes both James Madison's birthday on March 17th and Freedom of Information Day on March 16th. On the day before Freedom of Information Day in 2022, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland issued a four-page memo entitled Freedom of Information Act Guidelines. It was addressed to heads of executive departments and agencies in the federal government. The first few lines of the memo read, quote, For more than 50 years, the Freedom of Information Act, FOIA, has been a vital tool for ensuring transparency, accessibility, and accountability in government. As the Supreme Court has explained, the Act's basic purpose is to ensure an informed citizenry, which is vital to the functioning of a democratic society and needed to check against corruption and to hold the governors accountable to the governed." End quote. There are four main section headings in the memo that are entitled A, the presumption of openness, B, proactive disclosures, C, removing barriers to access and reducing FOIA request backlogs, and D, ensuring fair and effective FOIA administration. That is a pretty good list of headings, and each section goes into some specifics about how government agencies should do their best to make information about their operations and outputs available to the public. We'll put a link to the document on the page for today's program in the Public Affairs Archive at www.weru.org. Maine has a law with the same spirit as the Federal FOIA Act, but applied to state government, and it's called the Freedom of Access Act, or FOA. As we mentioned on a previous program, these are great tools for citizen access to government information when they are honored by government agencies, which unfortunately is far from always. If you're interested in seeing how various government agencies at both the national and state levels do not come even close to adhering to the objectives laid out in Attorney General Garland's memo, take a look at the Electronic Frontier Foundation's, quote, Foilies Awards, recognizing the year's worst in government transparency, end quote. The EFF puts out its list as a sort of tongue-in-cheek set of awards during Sunshine Week. We'll put a link to the 2022 awards, we use the term awards loosely here, on the page for today's program as well. While the EFF highlights failures of some government agencies to comply with the spirit and the letter of freedom of information laws, there are many other instances of what some consider government overreach in other areas of our digital world. We've heard a lot lately, for example, about elected officials at both federal and state levels railing against social media and other tech outfits for all sorts of supposed sins, ranging from censoring alleged disinformation from politicians to making inappropriate content available to young people to what Shoshana Zuboff refers to as surveillance capitalism, in which private companies gather information about us online in order to enhance their bottom lines. 
The proposed solutions to these problems that politicians offer, at least so far, range from the illegal, to the impractical, to the petty, to the downright stupid. Minnesota legislators, for example, are considering a law that would make it illegal for any social media platform to provide information to people under 18 that was generated by an algorithm. Algorithms are used, of course, to generate things like recommendations of books or movies or whatever based on what users have looked at previously. This is not the place to get into the wisdom or lack of it about the usefulness of recommender algorithms. The interesting part of this bill is the section on exceptions. Quote, User-created content that is created by a federal, state, or local government or by a public or private school, college, or university is exempt from this section. End quote. In short, if this bill passes, people under 18 can see anything online in Minnesota as long as it's from a government agency or school, algorithms or no algorithms. Anything else suggested by an algorithm, though, tough luck. Talk about your freedom of access to information, eh? Meanwhile, while legislators fume about commercial surveillance, very few seem very concerned about government surveillance which, despite Edward Snowden's revelations almost a decade ago, seems to go on with little legislative oversight, or indeed, knowledge at the government level. One elected official who is concerned about government surveillance is Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon. He recently sent a letter to the Inspector General of the Department of Homeland Security asking the Inspector General to investigate the use of administrative subpoenas by Homeland Security Investigations, which is a division of ICE, or Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Those subpoenas are designed to gather financial transaction records from Western Union and maxi transfers of any money transfers over $500 to or from California, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and Mexico. Note, by the way, that administrative subpoenas are, legally speaking, essentially requests for information. Someone in an agency writes a letter requesting information. That request never went to a court, and hence probable cause was never discussed, let alone established. Companies can legally ignore these requests, unlike a court-ordered subpoena. But neither Western Union nor Maxi Transfers chose to do so. The result? 6.2 million financial records, including personal information such as names and addresses, were sent to HSI. In addition, all of that information was entered into a database called Transaction Record Analysis Center, or TRAC, which is run by a nonprofit and facilitates law enforcement access to bulk financial data for five years. We are not talking about just ICE or DHS law enforcement personnel here, but about access by any and all law enforcement agencies across the country. As an analogy, suppose that a similar non-court ordered request was made to your bank or credit card company, and any of your transactions were therefore stored in a database that your local cop on the beat or a cop across the country could have access to 
for five years. A person, if a person knew about it, might get a tad upset about that. Senator Wyden certainly did, so he asked his staff to call Homeland Security Investigations and ask what was going on. Oddly enough, that very day, the program was closed. Oh, right, that could have been because it was probably illegal. As Senator Wyden's letter put it, quote, the fact that HSI employees in Phoenix, Arizona, continued to send out these highly problematic bulk summonses every six months without oversight by HSI and DHS headquarters indicates a weakness in the central supervision of this surveillance tool. Moreover, the fact that just one request for a briefing from a Senate office prompted HSI to immediately halt the flow of data suggests that the internal oversight system within DHS and HSI failed." End quote. A number of people, including the Electronic Frontier Foundation, suggest that a lot more than internal oversight is a problem here. While politicians, many of whom, unlike Senator Wyden, are woefully ignorant of how technology actually works, yet continue to generate sound bites about how big tech firms are failing in their duties as citizens, corrupting youth, and surveilling us all for profit, those same politicians don't seem to have a thing to say about the incredible range of government surveillance of our digital lives. It does make a person wonder, and we'll do our best to keep wondering, and wondering out loud, right here on future editions of Notes from the Electronic Cottage. <laughs>